You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Hi, I'm Ralph Powell, co founder and CEO of Real Vision. Thank you so much for listening to the Real Vision podcast. At Real Vision, we pride ourselves on providing the best in-depth expert analysis available to help you understand the complex world of finance, business, and the global economy. If you like what you hear, I hope you'll accept my invitation to try Real Vision Plus for 30 days for just $1. Visit realvisionpodcast.com today and join us as we navigate the financial world together. Cheers. As people around the world move to cities, Indian exports will get a boost. Welcome to The Knock-On Effect. This is the knock-on effect where we start with a thing you know and end up in a strange place. I'm Alex Rosenberg, joined as always by my fantastic co-host, Justine Underhill. How are you? Hello. All right. A lot of energy there. Yeah. So I'm using it all starting hot, and then I'm going to get really cold by the end. Okay, we'll be really mellow. That's the plan. It's going to be <laughs> it's going to be like uh, like an opium den in here. Ah. So is that that's no, that's not offensive, right? That's fine. Uh, you can't go to me for offensive conduct. Yeah, I have no idea anymore. That's true. I, well, it's, it's tough these days. Yeah, well, I, what did I say in another episode? I said oriental rug. I, I, and you repeated it just now. Unbelievable. I mean... Unbelievable. <laughs> so um, the we're going to start with uh, the people in the world. Yeah, so basically I'm, I'm going to kind of show you how, why uh, my theory is that more people moving to cities is uh, going to be good for Indian export markets and, and mm-hmm. going to increase in, uh, exports from the country of, of India. India. And so we'll start with that trend with urbanization. So um, urbanization is people moving to cities. It's uh, quite simple. And I'm just going to give you some numbers from the UN Department of Economic and Social Affairs. People, by the way, dispute this number. said it's higher. But according to the UN, 55% of the world's population now lives in cities. Hmm. And they project that by 2050, 5-0, that number will be 68%, uh, which will translate into another 2.5 billion people uh, in cities by 2050. And this is something that's a natural phenomenon in the sense that we're no longer relying on, you know, agrarian lifestyles. And so people are moving to cities for that reason or is it for other? Yeah, I mean, ju- just for contrast, in 1800. Oh, thank you. Two percent of uh, of the world's population lived in cities, and so that's uh, cities are right now the economic centers. They're the hubs. That's where you get jobs. If you want um, to grow in a career or find a mate, you go to a city. A lot more mates in cities. Although rates of um, reproduction are lower. Ah, that's has Ooh, to do with education. Actually, it actually has something, maybe something to do with something we'll get to later. Let's, let's remember that, actually. Okay. Um, but, no, I, yeah, I, I don't know why, why it, it, it is. I mean, there, there are actually various theories about this. One, one idea is that uh, people are more f- focused on other things in cities, or maybe the people who move to cities are less connected to families, or uh, I don't know. Um, 
So, so the interesting thing is that for rural areas, by the way, uh, the um, it, it's expected to is now 3.4 billion people live in rural areas compared to 4.2 billion in cities. Urban uh, rural population is actually expected to peak and then decline by 2050. So that even though the world population is growing. UN is expecting fewer people to live in rural areas than live there now, which means that that Montana, you know, is going to be even more sparse. Uh... Well, I would imagine that this is a worldwide phenomenon. So when I think of things like that, I'm not thinking of Montana. I'm thinking of um, industrializing countries. I'm thinking of China. Very good. Uh, where there are rapidly growing cities. Very good. So, so ninety percent of the growth in the urban population is coming from Asia and Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, where the population growth is coming from, uh, particularly uh, India, China, and Nigeria—kind of the countries you'd expect. It's pretty crazy, actually. There's um, an option on a Google Maps or a feature on Google Maps where you can actually look at the growth of cities over time, mm-hmm. or like just if you go to a certain area, like Shenzhen. Zen. Yeah. Um, it's pretty crazy to see like the time lapse of that and how quickly. They're growing. Yeah, and 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 that growth isn't expected to abate again because it, the story of uh, you know human progress is the story of people moving to cities. I mean that's that's everything that that we're seeing in terms of you know manufacturing is an essentially an urban endeavor. It's a lot of people in one place making something. Yeah. Um, you know, me- media. I mean, the, you know, almost any industry where you need a lot of people in the same place. That, that's going to create a city around it if it doesn't just have to take place in a city. Right. And this is like a trend, as you mentioned, from the 1800s that's been going on for quite a while. Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, so we are going to focus on a specific impact of urbanization. Um, and that impact is obesity. Okay. Sell me on this. So I I have numbers here from the the... Good, good week for the UN, by the way, Le- leaning heavily on their data. It's hard to get uh, international data that's, you know, at, at all uh, uh, believable. But according to the world, and, and this data, by the way, I'm just going to add, all of these numbers I'm reading from the UN are kind of in question because usually they're amalgamating data from di- different countries. Right. Like no one knocked on your door from the UN and said, hey, you know, how many kids do you have and are you obese? You know, they're they're amalgamating data from right. other sources. And they're trying their—I I believe they're trying their best. But, and, but you know, sometimes— Benefit of the doubt, okay. But also sometimes they have agendas to push. You know, maybe the WHO wants to make it seem like obesity is a, is a really big problem, so mm-hmm. it increases their power. I, I don't want to get into a whole conspiracy theory. I'm just saying it's the data I have, probably the best data— not necessarily correct. Anyway. Okay, um, thanks for that preface. The prevalence of obesity, according to the WHO, has tripled from 1975 to 2016. Um, now, uh, 39% of the of adults around the world are overweight. 13%, included in the 39%, are obese. So overweight is just a little bit, and then obese is beyond. A lot, yeah. Okay. And this, so that's from 1975 to basically today. Um, that kind of makes sense uh, in terms of our diets have gotten worse. Yeah, and, and what's really interesting is that overweight and obesity are on the rise in, you know, they use overweight as a noun when they're talking about it. It's kind of interesting. It's like they don't say overweightedness. Like overweight is itself the noun for overweight. It's like fish. Huh. Which— like the overweight? So, once con- I'm quoting here, once considered a high-income country problem, overweight and obesity are now on the rise oh. in low. Interesting, right? Yeah. In low- and middle-income countries, particularly in urban settings. And there, what I'm getting is there's a, a uh, strong connection between ob- urbanity and <laughs> obesity. 
Urbanity, I like that. Um, it's interesting because I think of my lifestyle in New York and it involves a lot of stair climbing and walking and I feel like um, what you're describing is more suburbia where you're in a car. Yeah, and I think a lot of suburbia is counted as, as urbia. Urban. Okay. Um, so, so because, and, and again, a lot of these, more of these changes are happening in countries that are developing. But, but according to uh, the Harvard School of Public Health, there are five specific reasons for the linkage between obesity and uh, urbanization. Okay. What are they? Sure. One is more high-calorie foods. Urban centers are more, uh, I'm quoting again, more multinational supermarkets and fast food chains offering a ready supply of processed foods, high-calorie snacks, sweets, and sugary beverages, and fewer open markets and farm stands. Okay? Number one. Okay. Number two. This is like the worst Dave Letterman list of all time. Yeah. (laughs) And the number two reason why uh, more, more passive transportation uh, more cars and fewer fewer walkie, bikey things. Okay. Three, less open space. Kind of goes to the same Self-explanatory, thing. yeah. yeah. Uh, four, this is a good one, and uh, our apologies, more mass media. Listening to this might be making you obese. <laughs> um, actually, it's that, uh, by the way, I always listen to podcasts while walking. I think it helps me. Okay, so if you're sitting down and listening to this, get up and walk. Oh, come on. Uh, don't give them homework. Okay. Uh, so more mass media, and, and actually the reason why is interesting. Urban centers offer more exposure to mass media marketing of food and beverages, which can shift people's preferences away from traditional diets. Mm. And, and they don't say this, but toward a more Americanized you know, way of eating, which is probably less healthy than the way they might naturally eat right. in, in Nigeria, for instance. Okay. And the fifth and final reason why obesity and urbanization are connected is, drumroll Paul Schaefer, uh, less work-related physical activity, uh, more sedentary jobs like manufacturing, and fewer active jobs such as farming. I feel like a lot of, I mean, at least two of the reasons on that list was the food that we eat. I mean, so whether it be the media aspect of it and we're being sold Doritos or Mm -hmm. uh, McDonald's or Actually, I think another reason on the list was the calories we consume. Mm-hmm. I feel like sugar and all the other fast food things that we're doing is actually the biggest contribution to it. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, what's interesting, again, is that they're talking about people no longer eating traditional foods, people living closer in together, people consuming media, and people like moving to jobs like manufacturing from jobs like farming. Which, again, like, I would say obesity is the story of human progress. Do you think that's happening in places like China, though? When people are moving to cities, are they saying, oh, I want McDonald's now? Or is it that there's, you know, this is a truly American phenomenon? No, no, it it definitely is happening in China. Because, and even if it's not McDonald's uh, specifically, by the way, McDonald's has some interesting uh, things they sell in China. You know, they kind of mix into the Chinese. It's funny, though, because as we grow, as our wealth grows, um, our food options are getting worse and worse and worse. Well... But not for the Chinese person who moved from the farm to the city. For for him or her, it's like, oh, man, out there I was just eating, you know. Chicken. Sure. Chicken and rice. And now I can have all these other options. I can have hash browns. I can have, you know. And, and so from the perspective of the individual person, there's a lot more options. But yeah, from the perspective of, you know, it, it's almost like, having a mall in every town with the same stores gives you more options as the person who lives in some small town, but it makes all of America look more similar. Mm. 
So, so moving right on here, we've we've gotten to uh, to to a state of obesity, um, and now I want to rely on a, a recent paper, very recent scientific paper. I gotta say, hot off the peer-reviewed press. Um, this one's called "Using Genetics to Understand the Causal Influence of Higher BMI on Depression." Uh, so it's written by uh, Jessica Terrell of um, of University of Exeter Medical, Exeter Medical School and eighteen other co-authors. Um, and what they basically try to do is, so, so here, here's the background here. Depression is more common in obese than non-obese individuals, especially in women. But the causal relationship between obesity and depression is complex and uncertain. And so what they're trying to do is tease out that connection. Uh, obesity and, and depression, we know they're linked, but it's, it's a bit of a Normandor. Mm. We're not sure which, which way it goes. Which way it goes, yeah. Do you want to uh, tell people? You, you tell me what a Norman door is. A so. Norman door is a door that's designed very poorly. Um, basically, if you push it, um, it's actually one that you should be pulling, but it gives all the signals as of something that you should push. Right. So it's not. It's it's hard to understand. And then you leave a meeting and a half. You say, "Well, that's it from you." And then you push on the pull door. It's just not a good look. Um, so where where was I? Um, in this paper, what they tried to do was they tried to find out which came first, the egg or the hen, the the obesity or the um, depression. Okay. And what they found, and so uh, I, I highly encourage you to look it up on your own because I'm explaining it to you. Just to be honest, I don't fully understand it. It's pretty complicated. You need to know a lot about medicine and uh, math, which okay. both <laughs> are outside my neither. <laughs> areas of expertise. Exactly. So... Um, uh, I would uh, I would encourage you to read it, but basically they took this huge group of data of um, UK individuals called the UK Biobank, and they looked at people who were more likely to have higher BMIs or body mass indices, mm -hmm. and took out of that took from that pool, subtracted from that pool people who were likely to have um, other bad health impacts associated with high BMIs. Because you, you don't want to find people who have, you know, heart conditions and, and then therefore were depressed. So we just looked at people who had high BMIs. And the high BMI is associated with obesity. Yes. It's actually the definition of obesity, even though, you know, if I uh, became very, very muscular, which is extremely likely to happen, then I would have a high BMI, but, you know, I, I would maybe meet the medical definition of obesity, but... It would be it would be a different thing, um, because it just compares your weight to your height. Okay. But 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 they so, so yeah, that that being said, they looked at people who are likely to have high BMIs based on their genes, not based on any decisions they made, just based on the genetic material they got at conception. Okay. And then they compared that to um, rate self-reported rates of depression, and and, and they found that um, things associated with higher BMIs and not with other bad. Medical impacts are strongly associated with later with a lot of self-reported depression, and so the reason we we can infer causality from this is it's unlikely that the depression caused the BMI to be high, since the BMI data is just from genetic mm, codes okay. that you got at conception. Okay. So, so 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 they use it to infer, you know, quite simply. Um, Higher BMI, with and without its adverse metabolic consequences, is likely to have a causal role in determining the likelihood of an individual developing depression. And they surveyed people whether they were in a city, in rural areas. I mean, this was a wide 
This this is a gigantic group of people from from the UK and and you know with, with and the data was self-reported, so that is that is one issue with it. But it's it's this pool of like millions of people um, that, okay. that they were able to use. So okay, so can I try to make these links that you're making? Please. Okay, so you're saying that people are moving to cities um, at a rapid pace since the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Um, cities are linked with poor eating, um, and poor eating is linked with depression. Correct. So. So I or obesity is linked with depression, specifically. Right, right exactly. So and 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 what I worry is that more urbanization will lead to more cases of um, depression. Mm. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be um, obesity that leads to depression. I mean, it could also be city living and less access to sunlight or um, there's so many other things that cause depression. Sugar causes depression. So maybe it's um, not specifically obesity. But- yeah, I mean, and, and, and again, like this, uh, for people maybe who are, who are newer to the show, this is all a bit a bit cheeky. This is something that I think really is happening and will happen, but on the margins. I mean, there's so many things that cause depression that... You know, obesity as a result of more urbanization, I wouldn't put it at the top of the list. Mm-hmm. But I do think I do think it's 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 in the mix. Okay. Okay. Um, and so I just want to just want to comment about this study because there have when I first read it, I was like, ooh, that might be perceived as a bit controversial um, because it's implying both that. Uh, you know, uh, d- depression and obesity are both topics that are can be controversial. So, did they give any explanation in the paper as to why they thought it might be linked? No, it's really not these uh, Tyrell and the other uh, eighteen uh, people's job to, to 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 come up with that. But but in all seriousness, you know, some of the commentary around the paper that doctors were interviewed by newspapers who who wrote about the story, and they said, you know, ah, uh, yes. Um, you know, it, it, this shows that losing weight is good for your mental health. Hmm. I saw a, a very interesting piece in The Guardian which argued, what the, no, what this shows is not that you should lose weight. It shows that um, society's treatment of uh, obese people is so toxic, it's causing them to be depressed. Hmm. Now, people who say that depression is, you know, caused by a chemical imbalance and not anything... I mean, I don't think anyone thinks it's nothing outside, but that in itself might be a controversial statement to say that. But but it, it's very interesting because one, um, I think what would support the Guardian writer's point that it shows that our society is doing a bad job um, of, of treating people with, with who are obese well is that for women, higher obesity is strongly related to higher depression. For men... Higher obesity is somewhat related to higher depression. It's not as strong. Hmm. And, and, and they touch on this in the paper, uh, and I'm quoting, no studies have used, uh, before this one that is, have used genetics to test the causal role of BMI in men and women separately. An important consideration, given the different observational associations and well-known social and cultural differences of body image between men and women. These differences include those at the ends of the BMI spectrum. With very thin men, more likely to be depressed than normal weight men and very thin women. In other words, uh, and the effect of depression and uh, 
uh, uh, uh, obesity leading to depression is, is stronger in women than in men in general. Huh. So this really, it kind of makes sense just if you think about the way society treats men and women of different sizes where uh, obese women are probably, you know, socially worse off than obese men and very, very thin men are probably socially worse off, mm. as bad off as obese men you know, are. So the fact that there's no, there's not a relationship between being a propensity to be very thin as a woman and depression kind of shows that it's because there, of the way society is treating so people. So there is a possible societal link to this. Yeah, I mean, I would be, I'd be shocked if, if there wasn't, frankly. Hmm. And what's really interesting then is if you, you know, the, these biobank people are from a specific time, specific place. You know, they're from a, they're from a specific culture. If you went back and did this study two hundred years ago, and fashions about obesity were different, and, yeah. and when obesity was maybe looked on on as a good thing, maybe you'd have to go back more than two hundred years. I'm not an expert in this kind of thing, but you'd probably find a different causal link between depression and obesity. Hmm. And this actually, I mean, this gets even into the halo effect, where if you look a certain way or dress a certain way, you're more likely to get ahead, whether it be in school, get better grades, um, get ahead in your job mm -hmm. and your career. So there's all sorts of other things that are related to physical appearance. Yeah, and so so the feeling among obese people, which uh, honestly, uh, I was a lot more, I probably shouldn't even say this, but I was a lot more skeptical about some of the things that, have been, that are being argued by obesity, you know, rights activists or, or whatever the proper term is, before I, I read this paper. Because their argument is that the way scientists treat obesity or, or you know, medical researchers treat obesity as this is a bad thing that hurts you, you know, it, it's almost reminiscent to them of how um, being homosexual was like listed as something that was that was a fault in, in, in the DSM. It, you know, so, so it was something that psychiatrists would try to correct when actually we needed to correct society. Mm. And again, by saying, oh, wow, obesity is so dangerous, it, it leads to depression, you need to lose weight. Well, Okay, it's like it's like it's like telling not not to get too heavy, but it's like telling a black person in the fifties, well, you need to lighten your skin, because maybe the fault is actually with society and and not with the person. And so you're right, that could help, but 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 to, to connect connect obesity with health so strongly when it's really society that's leading to this connection is actually quite dangerous. Well, that's and that's very specific for depression. So there could there's all sorts of other diseases that are causally linked with obesity. Well, so that true. that might fall into another category. That's that and that and that's true. And that, and that's a fair point. Mm. I just I don't know, it's it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Whew, wow, this is again heavy. <laughs> heavy. <laughs> Wow, did I really get into this yeah, civil well, rights movement? I, yeah, right. Uh, well, I'm it's funny because usually um, I'm the one that talks talks about dark stuff. Yeah, this is really there today. This is really bleak, but it's, it's important. And and you know what? These studies don't prove anything. And and who knows? Maybe the study will be turned out to be wrong. But I think these these things are, if they're useful for anything, they're as useful for interrogating our culture as for interrogating our health. Oh, so profound. Thank you. So I'm going to just move on here in the knock-on effect, uh, what, which is what more depression will lead to. Okay. And that is more pills. Um, ah, more antidepressants. Yes. The the 14th most prescribed drug in the U.S. is uh, sertraline, I, I want to say it's pronounced, better known by its much easier to say uh, brand name Zoloft. Mm. Um, it's a popular treatment for depression. Uh, most popular psychiatric drug in the United States, apparently. 
created by Pfizer. And however, uh, Pfizer's not really benefiting. In, in 2005, the, the Pfizer sold $3.3 billion worth of Zoloft, which, wow. Um, in 2006, the patent expired. And now it's it's made by generic drug makers, uh, one of which is owned by Pfizer named Greenstone, which, which makes a version of Zoloft. But hmm. it's... They're not making as much money. You no, know, no, because you can you can just buy it from from anybody. Right. Um, and uh, to get to the final destination, a, a big place where you buy it from, where all these generic drugs are made, is is India. Hmm. India has been called the pharmacy to the world. It makes twenty percent of the world's gener- generic medications by volume. It's the top generic exporter on, on earth. Uh, a few other stats here, you know, uh, almost one out of every two generic drugs sold in the U.S. is made in India. Um, although the biggest single producer as a company is is Teva, which is in Israel. Oh, yes. But but uh, in, in India, there are com- companies like Lupin, which is a, a, a public company that makes a generic version of Zoloft. Um, and, and they're not just shipping to the U.S., by the way. Uh, India exports... 1.5 times more pharmaceutical products to Latin America than China, even though India, what are they making the drugs from? Mostly stuff that Indian uh, companies bought from China. So so India is kind of taking the raw materials, packaging them up, sending them out. Sending them to the U.S., sending them to Latin America. Africa, Asia, yeah. All and, them, but but Europe, also yeah. sending them to China, too. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. But actually, that kind of loops around back to your... Um, discussion before about why there's so low birth rates or why people in terms of having mates in cities um, were not doing that because of depression? Ooh, actually, it's because of antidepressants. Oh. Uh, you don't necessarily associate depression with uh, a, a high libido, and, and I think low libido is, is one of the uh, you know symptoms of depression, mm-hmm. but Zoloft specifically and, and other SSRIs, serotonin, uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, cause uh, a, a fall in, in sex drives. And if you look, so these pills are really, really common, partially because any doctor, any nurse practitioner, you just walk in, my knees bother me, oh, so I'm a little depressed here, take some Zoloft. Anyone can prescribe them. So they've become very, very popular. And me, I think there are other factors. Porn is a big factor, but this our generation is like having by far less sex. It's like the first generation have less sex than the prior generation. Is- There's a huge decline in sex, and I I don't want to say Zoloft is is the main factor. It's but it's probably in the top three. It, it it's just it's just fascinating because you know the you know drug companies that make Zoloft also make things that uh, you know things things like Viagra. But but it, okay. the, the problem is not really. Uh, well, I mean, I could really get deep into this, but Viagra solves a physical problem, uh-huh. and the problem caused by Zoloft. I, I don't, I don't know whether it's physical or not, because, and in even our generation, I mean, masturbation has gone way up. But, <laughs> okay, wow, but, this podcast really went what? off. This, this is this okay, is fine. this is legitimate. Sure. And and yet and yet, uh, uh, sex has, has gone down massively. Yeah, I mean, bullets also linked with education and all sorts of other things. People. I mean, I mean, internet porn is a yeah. big bonus as well. Yeah. Which, by the way, if you're interested in learning about that, there's a different podcast called uh, The Butterfly Effect. Season one was all about uh, oh all about the John Ronson and okay. uh, Lena Mazzitti. So. Oh, I know. Just fun fact. Okay, good to know. Thanks. Um, well, anyway, so just take a little bit of a step back and yeah. to go through these links uh, again. N- causation and correlation are 
not necessarily very specific in this knock-on effect, you know, because um, in terms of people go- going to cities and being depressed, you know, maybe people are depressed and so they move to cities to be with other people. I mean, there's not necessarily a clear linkage or maybe because people are living in cities, they become depressed. That's and you can keep going down the line. It's not necessarily clear. Well, I will say that, like, human progress is a vague term. But, you know, pro- progress towards a more, uh, you know, technologically savvy and uh, world with more economic growth kind of leads to each of these knock-on effects, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Leads to more urbanization, leads to more obesity, leads to more depression. Yeah. And certainly leads to to more uh, more pills because, by, by the way, you know, these pills aren't really new. They just are safer than the alternative. So in the 70s, it was like they had really bad side effects and, and a lot of people would um, commit suicide because once you mm-hmm. feel a little better, then you have – you can – create suicidal action and go along with your suicidal oh. thoughts. These pills are a lot more, a lot safer, which is why every doctor in America can just write a script for them. Right. Um, so it's sort of a function of, and then, and then there was a very successful advertising campaign around them. I mean, they, they the advertising campaigns, we, we watched one of these ads and, mm-hmm. and it was basically like, you ever feel blue? You want to feel better? Take this. Like, that's a pretty good pitch. Right. Well, so then what's the solution here? I mean, it seems like as technology advances, we want easier and easier solutions. So whether it be for food options, we want the easiest solution that gives us a lot of calories and a lot of sugar and a lot of, you know, immediate gratification. And for if we're feeling down, um, whether we're depressed or not, a lot of um, people who aren't depressed are getting prescribed antidepressants. Um, and so there's a lot of misdiagnosis in there. But this sort of is the simple solution. Oh, I'm feeling down. Let's take this pill. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's kind of like as our world progresses, we also kind of digress in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Roger uh, had a theory. In Roger, the, who's the professor. The who, professor in, in the video version of this uh, episode that, you know, as people moved away from religion, they looked to, you know, psychiatry and, and other things to kind of give some meaning and order to their life. And I think that people are, I, I think there's really something to that, maybe not in that very specific example, but because I, I, I would say the answer to being happier is to just, take more control over your own life, which, which is, which is, you know, an easy thing to say and like, and is a bit meaningless. But I think this world we live in where, um, you know, the, 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 cause when you say solutions, it's like, what problem are we even trying to solve? I mean, people are happier now than ever. People are, you know, there, there's less global poverty and global starvation than ever before. People are happier than ever. I mean, I mean, life is better. Life, I'll say this: life is life is better for for the vast majority of people in the world. And it, I, I, I don't know. It, it's it's interesting because I think some of this stuff spooks us partially because it's new. But I think the word of wisdom I'm taking away from you is mindfulness in terms of taking control. I guess, but it, I also don't want to blame people for their own problems. You know, I'd rather mm. blame society. <laughs> For everybody's problems, even though everybody is society. Okay. I'm not really sure how that works. Okay, well, I think on that word of wisdom, uh, we can leave it there this week. And actually, it's funny. We did start out with um, a lot of energy, and now we seem to have reached the much more calm I told you. It was space. like an opium dump. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Well, that does it for this week's knock-on effect. Yes, certainly does. So uh, we have a new version, uh, new episode every Thursday on this podcast feed. Uh, Thursday night, that is. Uh, and we do a video version every Thursday at, uh, which you can find on realvision.com slash knock-on effect. Which is where you can also sign up for your 14-day free trial of Real Vision. And you know what? If you've made it this far, and I don't think we've done this pitch recently— What's the pitch? <laughs> you don't know what I'm going to say. Uh, leave a review. Leave a review. Let us know how we're doing. Or just email us at uh, podcast at realvision.com. We really do love hearing from you. Yeah, honestly, we, we love it. We, we uh, love when people propose new knock-on effects. Um, but even just reach out, say hi. Yeah, or, or tell us that, that we got something wrong or that my theory about, uh, you know, relative rates of infertility is, is, uh, is, is badly off base. So, so anyway. Okay, see you guys next week. Bye. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.